Well, hi, friends. Welcome to another episode of the Revelation Wellness Podcast. My name is Elisa, and I'm ecstatic about today's show. If you are the parent of a child between the ages of 15 to 25, you are the parent of a Gen Z. Or maybe you know or have a friend who has a child in that age group, which I don't think we can call them child. They're really adults. And y'all, they are amazing. This podcast is going to open our hearts, our ears to hear and listen to what it is Gen Z, this amazing generation growing up at a time unlike any time before, what they are needing right now, how we can show up and serve and honor them for what they are teaching us here in such a time as this. Tanita is a experienced Young Life staff member. She develops leaders inside Young Life. She works with adolescents and she is a graduate of Fuller Theological Seminary where she specialized in the area of Gen Z. You are gonna learn so much today. I have so many sticky notes covered on my desk right now that expanded my heart and empathy and my passion for this younger generation coming up. Everyone, you have a role to play. So get ready to learn your role, every one of us. And you're probably gonna encounter a Gen Z somewhere today, and as Tanita said, probably in a coffee shop or in some job or role that they are helping you or serving you in life with, acknowledge them and listen and lean in. This is the way we become a body built up here on the earth. We, there is no junior Holy Spirit. They have something to teach us. And I love that Tanita shares with us what we can do to pour back into them as they pour into us. This is the gospel. We are all in this together. Before I let you go, don't forget The Body Revelation. It is available for you now. My latest book, The Body Revelation, Physical and Spiritual Practices for Metabolizing Pain, Banishing Shame, and Loving God with Your Whole Self, Connecting to God with Your Whole Self. This book is for you if you are someone who feels stuck with a body that seems disappointing, never seems to add up, or if you feel stuck in your body, meaning, you know what to do, but you just have a hard time to do it. And it might not have anything to do with food or exercise. You can't get yourself to live out the faith that you believe. This book is for you. You need a body revelation. God wants to speak to you and you bring your body with you. So you can swipe up on the show notes, get the book, be blessed, give us all the feedback and your insights as you read through that book. And don't forget to join the app. The community is back there waiting for you. We have a whole community also talking about the book. And any other questions you have, we're happy to serve you. Friends, we love you and we love Gen Z. And we declare that God is bringing up and raising up the next generation that we can keep this freedom train moving with. We are grateful for you. Thank you, donors, for making this possible. And we bless you and hope you have a fantastic day. And we'll talk soon. Peace. All right, Revelation Wellness, we have a friend of the house who's married to a friend of the house. <laughs> Revelation Wellness, if you've ever seen any of our videos that have been created, they have been created by this guest husband, Tanita Maddox. 
is here and she is going to be talking to us about Gen Z. So Tanita, welcome to the Revelation Moms podcast. Thanks for having me. It's fun to get to see and be with the folks my husband was with all the time. Spends a lot of time with. How many plane trips has that man been on now since you guys moved up to the uh, Pacific Northwest? Yeah. So what's it like being married to a cameraman? Oh, it's so fun. Uh, we, he's the, he's the creative side of our family. So I am yeah. the structured, organized, you know, and he keeps things uh, creative and beautiful actually in our home. He's so good at what he does. Just, just want to take a moment, Ashley, at some point I have to have him on the show just to give us his goodness about what God does in using film. It's so good. So, but we knew for a while now, Tanita, you have been working in the Young Life community for how many years? Uh, over 20, 25 years. That's crazy. You're not that old. How old were you when you started? I mean, I'm counting when I started as a volunteer leader. I was 18 years old when I started yeah. as a volunteer leader. Yeah, I'm that old. <laughs> wow. So Young Life, when you're 18 years old, take us back there. Because at that point, what generation are you at, at 18 years old? I was, I'm a Gen Xer. That's who I am. That's me too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. a, or no, am I Gen? Yeah, I'm a Gen X. I'm a Gen X. <laughs> Uh, so you, did you, were you walking with the Lord at that time or how did, so young life clearly snatched your heart and you've been walking with them for a long time. Well, yeah. I tried to avoid becoming a young life leader. You know, I got to college, uh, and thought, you know, young life, that's so high school. I'm in college now. And uh -huh. the, I literally ran into like cut a corner of a building and ran face to face into Someone who had, um, sh we'd shared a bus on the way to Young Life Camp when we were in high school. Wow. And he's from the small town of Wickenburg. And oh, he wow. said, hey, Tanita, and I, you know, we exchanged pleasantries. He invited me to a Young Life barbecue. And I told him I was in high school. I'm in college now. And then he got this desperate look on his face. And he said, you're the only person I know in this entire campus. Would you just please come with me oh. if you hate it? 20 minutes, we're out the door. I just, I just want to go. I don't want to go by myself. And, you know, famous last words. I went, I got involved with a Bible study as a freshman that turned into leader training. And before I knew it, I was leading middle school kids in Flagstaff, Arizona. And what was your faith prior to that time? Did you have a faith or was it? I did. I owe the fact that I got to be raised in a home that professed Christ to Young Life. Young Life is where my dad became an active believer in the Lord. And my parents were volunteer Young Life leaders. Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah. And so then no wonder uh, you're like, I'm not doing that. That's them. I'm doing carving my own way. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. But it's the place where I saw my friends in high school come to know the Lord. And it's a place where my faith got its legs and feet and hands um, in practice. So it is where uh, I continue to be drawn toward closer, like closer to the Lord. And when people say, why Young Life? Because there's two reasons. One, because that's the way Jesus has used like this organization to get to my heart and my life. Mm. And the second is because I watch adolescents go from death to life in front of my eyes, like in front of my eyes. And that, that doesn't get old. I see it in your eyes. I see you tearing up. You're making me tear up because I see that what we do in revelation wellness, like even Ashley will show it, like tell you, you've seen the video. Yes. People that older people that even at some point, even in their hearts, maybe there's arrested development in their youth and just shut down and they come back alive. We've actually been told revelation wellness, uh, people who are involved with young life, have said, you guys have a lot of young life-ish stuff to you. Like there's this the embodying and the activity and the physical and then the gospel and you kind of wear them out a little bit. And then the gospel's ready to be received in a way 
So yeah, I've, I've always held in high regard Young Life as a ministry and just ask a lot of questions about how they've gone from where they were to where they are today. It's incredible. So how did the Lord grab you towards Gen Z? So tell us a little backdrop, like maybe even your study of Gen Z and, and why you feel so passionate about Gen Z. Well, when I sort of look back on my time as a leader and as a staff person with Young Life, most of my ministry has been done with millennials as they were walking through middle school and high school. And about, let's say, seven years ago, I was feeling some pretty significant shifts. I was a Young Life leader in Scottsdale and felt like my messages weren't connecting very well and falling flat. I was finding that um, we had a large prevalence of panic attacks that were starting to come or mm. kids who were unable to to attend school due to anxiety. Mm. And when I tried to get groups of kids together, like, hey, let's all go out to breakfast, I would get these individual texts back that were like, I don't want to go with the group. I just want to go with you. And there were things that were going on as well as even starting to experience some just open hostility to the fact that I had a Bible and was going to talk about Jesus with high school students. And I couldn't figure out what was going on. And my first thought was, maybe I'm getting too old. Oh my gosh. <laughs> And you're like, I just had be. babies, you know, yeah, yeah. you know what I mean? Okay. Like I was closing in on 40. I was having baby. I was just finishing having babies. I thought I've crossed over. Uh, I am not cool or relevant. And I, maybe I just am too Time to hang it up. Time to, to retire. Yeah. That hang comes for me all the time to you. Time to retire, Mike. Yeah. Keep going. Okay. So I it was a combination of two, a couple things. One person recommended me a, a book to read called The Coddling of the American Mind. Okay. That happened in conjunction where I was working on my doctorate of ministry over at Phoenix Seminary. And I was taking a class called Preaching Christ to a Post-Everything World. Huh. Right. And that those two things really helped me put together that what had happened was that a new generation had arrived on the scene that I did not know about or was prepared for. And so as I learned, I went, if I want to keep doing this, I got to learn about these kids. So that's where it just is an extension of having a passion for the next generation that the name of that next generation just changed. What do you mean just changed? I mean, like it changed. That's what changed in my life was going, this oh, okay. had popped up. So it wasn't necessarily I had a new passion for Generation Z. It was I have a passion for adolescents and these and adolescents. They were called, they are Generation, generation Z. Z. Mm-hmm. All right. So what are we getting right with Gen Z and what are we getting wrong with Gen Z when it comes to the church? That's a big one because I we know that's been it's stories for a while that there's been a decline with young people in the church or the younger generations engaging with the church, which usually is a good signifier that maybe we're not hitting it. Maybe we're missing the mark a little bit yeah. on that. But I think that overall... If you are feeling like there's a disconnect as a Gen Xer or a baby boomer, as a millennial, like you don't understand what's happening with the next generation, they don't make sense to you. It's because they have grown up and are growing up in such a completely different cultural moment. Mm -hmm. It is absolutely foreign to us. And if I, I mean, we could go through a lot of things, but let's just name three. Yeah. They're coming of age in during social media. That did not exist when I was in high school, Could right? Imagine, imagine, no, being like, oh, when I was in high school, there were already articles about how Seventeen Magazine was having a negative impact on girls' body <laughs> image. Yeah, right? I should cut back on my subscriptions, yeah. <laughs> and now you can sit in your room and any high school student can search filters that will put it over their face and change their nose, their eyes, their cheekbones, and just 
constantly tell them like, you're not the way you're supposed to be. You're supposed to look different and be different. Yeah. So that by itself, we could spend the whole time talking about social media, but that's one thing. Okay. The second is what also didn't exist when I was in high school was school shootings and mass shootings, Dang right? It. I was in college when Columbine happened. Um, we did a lot of fire drills growing up. And for whatever reason in the eighties, there were a lot of fire drills, never seen a school on fire, like in the news, but my kids go to have locked in lockdown drills and active shooter drills. And we do see that on the news fairly regularly. So 75% of high school students, minimally, a minimum 75% have some kind of anxiety that that will happen on their campus. Dang it. So that's, that's a reality that they're facing. The third is part of their schooling and their development was interrupted by a global pandemic, which also didn't happen to us. So if you go, like when people say, man, why is this generation so anxious? They seem like they're, like, uh, I don't know. I honestly don't know how they're still standing. This is one of the Aren't most- they amazing? They're amazing. They are, come on, that that is the truth. They are resilient. There's something that is going to be- Im- part and released through them be and i also think this that god knows what they're up against right yeah i always think that scripture that he chooses the times and seasons and places for people to be born it's not like a surprise but it is a panic for us as parents like you're a mother okay let's for a second you're a mother of two young boys how old is winston i like calling him winston (laughs) we have a five-year-old and a seven-year-old seven and five do you like what, what generation, we don't even know what they'll be. Like, what do they call what? what right. They-, they started up at the, the beginning of the alphabet again. So alpha. So when X, Y was millennials before, right? They got renamed millennials, okay. then, then Gen Z, Z and then So alpha. your kids are going to be Gen Alpha. Mm-hmm. I mean, can you, do you get like, wow, what will it be like for them? Yes, all the time. And I, we joke about the impact of how they're being raised because their mom is a generational researcher. So I can see all these things that have happened. Aww, and so it's, yeah. it, it is impacting the decisions we make in our own home for sure. All right. So back to what we're getting right and wrong in the church yes. based on this, what they're growing up in, what are yep. we getting right? What are we getting wrong? Well, so 73% of our Gen Zers would like to turn to members of the older generation for important conversations, for difficult conversations, and for guidance. Three quarters, right? Yes. And why that's so shocking for folks is because because at the same time, in the same breath, you can say, and 71% of Gen Z feel like older generations do not understand what they're facing or the pressures that they're under. So they're frozen. The people you want to go to and talk to, you are worried that you will feel worse because they don't understand you. And so I think the first thing we do is the church and his older generations is say, you're right. I don't understand. I can't say when I was 15, back in my day, the actual answer is I don't understand. And wouldn't the next thing be, tell me. Exactly. Yeah, I want to. But I want to. I want to know, tell me, and and, uh, the number one thing I hear from our kids and our Gen Zers, right, which are now our young professionals, um, is I wish someone would just listen to me. I feel like no one's listening to me. Wow. But the problem is, is, and we'll have older generations who say, I am listening. You're not saying anything. But the thing is, is they're expressing themselves and communicating in different ways than previous generations have. And so we've had to learn how to adjust our listening ears to hear what they have to say. And so when our church is, is continuing to 
uh, teach things that kids aren't asking about, answering questions they're not asking about, um, prioritizing, prioritizing parts of the gospel message that aren't, isn't important to this next generation, at the same time, not answering the questions and the concerns that they're asking, then we end up with a further disconnect. It's, that's why the gospel then feels irrelevant because you're, you're not answering what's important to me. And what is important to them when it comes to the gospel? Do you, what, what, what resonates with them or they want to maybe talk about more, have questions. What is, what is it for them at the gospel? Yeah. So one of the key questions I find myself answering with kids is because of their context, because of the messages they're getting from social media, from older generations, from the media. I mean, you can just do a quick survey of any Gen Z -er and say, what do you hear about yourself in the media and from yep. older generations? What message? And then you can say, well, what messages are you getting from social media? What messages are you hearing about who you're supposed to be? They're now constantly walking around asking the questions, am I enough? Um, and I put in parentheses, to be loved and to be valued, to be seen, to be understood. Am I enough for you? Because the message they're getting constantly is that they're not. And in the context of cancel culture, they're terrified. Like what they're also hearing is, and you cannot make a mistake. So you're not enough but we Gosh. demand perfection from you. I'm anxious. Just all these things you've already listed out. I mean, it's a good zoom back. And, and I know this, I have, I have two Gen Z's myself. And I know that, that there, there's just so, I think sometimes I get so overwhelmed by it that I bury my head a bit. So it's good for me to pull back and listen to you very, you know, without any judgment, just to say, this is what it is. How do they not walk around with so much anxiety and feel trapped? Absolutely. Right? You go, oh, I don't know how you're a functional human being with all these things. So if you're walking around and, and you feel like society is saying we demand perfection and you're never going to be enough, then think about how we get to enter with the good news of the gospel in that peace with a God who loves them as they are, mm -hmm. who says like, of course, you're not perfect. That's why we rely on the perfection of Jesus Christ, mm -hmm. who says he decided you were worthy of this mm -hmm. and made a plan before you were born, born because he already had decided you were worthy, you were valued, you were loved. And, and then you get to walk in the grace of that, of going, perfection is not demanded of you. It's not expected of you. And it's one thing to say that, but you, then we have to show that. Yes. Right. As, as a, adults or as, as the ones ahead to humble ourselves or to be willing to take the time or whatever it is. And I think for some of us, and maybe, and I know this is my own stat because I have two Gen Zs, is I, I see what they're up against. And in my love, I want to help and I want to fix it. Or yes. I want to like, no, and like put up those very structured, if you just stay within these guidelines, then, you know, yes. it, it, it's, it's ridiculous. Meanwhile, I teach this stuff to grown adults. Like don't shut on yourselves. Don't, you know, we put, we do put pressure on them because we love them. We don't want them to suffer, but they are suffering. So the real thing they need is just someone to sit with them in it. I, yeah. I, I have found with my child, with my daughter, especially and my son, that if I just listen, literally listen and not try to fix things and be a presence that's grounding for them because anxiety spins us into like the what mm -hmm. ifs. And, but if I can just be constant, my love's not changing. Your father and I love you. Doesn't matter. It's not on your performance. It's not on, 
you know, what you can do, um, how you look, all those things. But then also when she does come, when I say she, because my daughter probably is the one that really challenges me the most, when she does come crying or she does come upset and she does come anxious and she does say things, I'm like, that is ridiculous talk right there, right? Hmm. They're just spinning in their own heads. Yeah. I, I can't get caught up in that vortex. I've got to just hold and be able to love her, listen, validate, validate what she's feeling and not try to fix it. Which that must be incredibly difficult because your emotions are, are intertwined with that, oh. right? Like everything's heightened for you at the same time they're heightened for your child. Yes. Yes. And I, I mean, I, I'm going to be, I'm with the Maddox family. I I'm anxious to see what, what you guys, how you will parent into those teen years. Cause you know, we can know all the things, but our hearts are so tied to them that yeah. when they suffer, it does hurt and we don't walk it out perfectly, but showing them Jesus being, but that, that requires us doing our own work. So if we're, what, what are we, if we're doing right in the church, well, actually I'm hearing what we're doing wrong. What are we doing right in the church? When it comes to Gen Z? Yeah. I don't know if we're doing a ton that's right. <laughs> there you go. Okay. Because <laughs> here's the thing. If you survey and not you, but it's like, there's a lot of surveys out there, both from faith-based surveyors and researchers and non-faith-based. And when you combine them all together, and you and put them in front of someone. Here's how Gen Z views Christians: intolerant, irrelevant, hypocritical, out of touch, judgmental. Like these are the words that they're using to describe the church and the and its members. So when we talk about talk about how is Gen Z like, how are they answering the questions they're asking in life when it comes to their lens of who God is and what that means for them? That's the lens that it's coming through. Yeah. unfair or fair that's what's happening in our yeah. world so what do we need to do what what what's the responsibility of the church what what does the church do to right the wrong so there's a, a lot of things that we can do i think we sometimes think we're operating like peter at pentecost and we're sharing the good news to people mm -hmm. who already have some understanding of mm -hmm. who god is mm -hmm. and the reality is, is we are more like paul going into athens to a group of people who don't agree with what you have to say. They don't wow. believe what you have to believe. They have no context for what you're going to say. Yeah. And so if we look at Paul, how Paul speaks in Athens, he changes how he speaks to his audience because he yeah. has to move toward them. He uses Good. their language, their value system, Good. their poetry, their philosophy to try to help him explain things. And there are plenty of people who look at it and go, but he doesn't talk about Jesus dying on the cross and right, you know, like all these pieces that you're yeah. like, he had, he had limited space to keep the door open for the next conversation and the next one after that. So it's a slower movement. We're moving towards folks. And I talk a lot when I talk to our youth workers or youth ministers or young life leaders and say, this is a cross-cultural ministry. Now you are speaking into a different cultural context than one you are in or understand. And it is a slower harder, more patient work. Mm -hmm. um, but it's so, so good. Cause it really has even challenged me to say, wow, well, so where are my belief systems like influenced by my cultural context? What's cultural, what's contextual and what's the truth actual that's the truth out there. I think the one thing we're really good at, I think in the church and that this generation is looking for is mentoring. 
we're really good at mentoring and discipleship, taking someone under our wing and then showing them the ropes and showing them how faith impacts, not just like I go to Bible study this week, but it impacts how I treat my body, how I spend money, the decisions on who I make as friends and how I deal with conflict. But we have an older generation that thinks that our Gen Zers don't want anything to do with them. And so we've backed away and said, I'm not going into that fire. That's a scary fire. I don't want to get burned. Mm -hmm. But the more we do that, we find that our Gen Zers are really hungry for someone to stop and listen and walk with them step by step. So how does one do that? Let's say someone's listening right now and they're like, I got I, I feel that burn. I feel like I want to lean into the Gen Z. I've got time. I've got wisdom. I've got, wh- what does someone do? Yeah. I mean, I think about everyone has a circle of influence. Some people do it in a more official way. Like I'm going to be a youth group leader. I'm going to coach a sport. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be a young life leader. That, like that's a positional organizational place. You walk in and you're like, I am doing this. We also have children and grandchildren and employees and friends of our employees that are in our circle too. And, and we can maybe engage with, with them. And then something, it's as simple as, you know, I frequent certain coffee shops or fast food restaurants that are mostly being worked at by our Gen Zers yeah, yeah. and going, Hey, how do I start a conversation there? with the folks that are behind the counter that I see on a regular basis. So some of it starts just very casually, but you may have a Gen Z in your life. You just stop and say, hey, are you looking for a mentor? Are there That's things so that you good. wish you like knew yeah. how to do? Balance a checkbook, cook a meal. Like, yes. what do you want to know? Like, I would love to do that with you. I love that, Tanita. That's so practical. There probably is someone in your life that you know, a friend's kid, if you don't have kids yourself, that would, that would absolutely be excited to have someone that just wants to hang out with them and know them. And is there anything I can do to help? Goodness. That'd yeah. Be powerful. You guys, I said bounce a checkbook, by the way. That's... Right. Well, that I was going to say, you reminded me of, I remember there were some things going around workshops or something that people, millennials, I think it was back in the millennials, were paying money to learn how to uh, thread a needle and sew like those old, old things that we forgot, which is so funny. Yesterday I was at dinner with Tammy, you know, Tammy, our gal works for us. Tammy, her daughter, Amelia is six years old, was sitting at the table and she was showing me what she got for her birthday. And it was a Walkman, like the old Walkman. Yes. She opened it up. She had like the head, the spongy headphones and like a, and she pops out her her DJ Jazzy Jeff cassette and she was super excited about it. Right? And I thought there's a fascination, I think, for the generation behind to know what it was like for those that were with us or are interested in it. It's not, it's, you're not as uncool as you think you are. Don't you think sometimes we think they don't want anything to do with us? Oh yeah. I remind people all the time, like, you know, I'm like a middle-aged mom, right? Like when I yeah. show up around the campus, like, it's not like p- kids are like, who's that cool lady? I really want to talk to her, you know, but yeah, they, um, they would take up all my time if I gave it to them because they love being with someone who will listen to them, who's interested in them, who encourages them. And then, you know, teaches them to do kind of funny things. Like you said, uh, you know, thread a needle. There's a woman out there who is making a living off of coaching Gen Zers on how to use the telephone, like how to have, like how to use the phone, have phone oh conversations, my gosh, how to have phone conversations. Mm-hmm. Yes. They can't imagine what life was like when the phone rang and you didn't know who was on the other line. You just picked it up, right? That's unfathomable. To this day, if my phone rings, I still pick it up. I just do, even though I've 
freaking know nine out of 10 times it's a stupid telemarketer, but there's something in me that's like, huh, I wonder who it could be. I'm so curious. And so there is that, yeah, we, we had that time that we grew up with some mystery, right? Mm -hmm. like you could leave your house in the morning and maybe you'd be back by dinner, but now we're so constantly plugged in that that's a different reality that they live in. Wow. You said something earlier about changing our language. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, it reminded me of a friend who, who helped me with my kids said, sometimes we think we just assume as parents, especially if we're raising our children in a faith and we do this and we talk about it, we pray, we do all these, these, um, you know, things that we do practices that we just assume they know and that they've got it where a friend of mine said, at least help me out one day when I started to think about the fact that I needed to treat my kids as if they were sinners. <laughs> which sounds terrible, but they don't like they haven't, they're not saved until they mm. make that choice until it's mm -hmm. really theirs and it's on fire for them. So until that point, it's like living with people that are from Athens in a way, you know, to some degree, if you just assume they know what you mean, are just going to do it, then you'll be very disappointed when they don't. So I love that when you mention that, like to kind of speak to them as if in their, their language. What are some things that we can do to learn more about them, to open, you know, uh, an empathy and understanding more about our Gen Z? I think starting even with that question we talked about earlier, if you ask your Gen Z or in your life, what are the things you hear about yourself or your generation from older generations in the media? What are, what do you hear? Mm -hmm. I have used this question a number of times. I've asked a number of our Gen Zers, and I can tell you that not one positive word comes back from their mouths. What they're hearing overwhelmingly are negative messages about who they are. Fragile, weak, over-emotional. Entitled. You know, entitled, yes. Mm -hmm, and uh, I, I say those kinds of words don't create change. They create distance. Mm -hmm. So when we start to listen and, and they say these things, it's heartbreaking to me because we're charged with raising them. Mm -hmm. And that's what they're hearing from, from our older generations. But when they say those things, we get the opportunity to then change that message. Come on. Say, that's what you're hearing about yourself. That's not true. Here's what's true about you. So it opens the conversation by allowing them to talk about their experience, what they're internalizing and hearing, and then opens a door for you to speak a different vision over them than what they're receiving. Their world of influence is so different than us when we were growing up because uh, we were influenced by the people in our direct geography, mostly, who was around us. Yeah. And because of their global connection, they have way more voices in their life that are speaking into them constantly besides their geography. And so it really is learning to understand that thing that's going on. One of the key questions that takes some space to answer, so it could be writing a letter or it could be just, I want to take you on a one-on-one -on -one date. I want to ask you this question. He said, what do you wish adults understood or cared about? I'm going to ask. And then <laughs> let them talk. What do you wish we didn't, we, we don't understand something we don't care about. What do you wish it was? And let them talk about it. They're, this is a highly self-aware group of folks. And uh, allowing them space, if they think you're going to listen, they'll share the real stuff that's going on in their life. So reminds me of uh, lately with my daughter, Sophia, I've been doing, we've been doing little podcasts for like our, our RW plus subscribers for more of a select community. It doesn't go out into all the places. So Sophia has fun. She loves to talk and she's, she'll be like, mom, let's do a podcast. I'm like, what do you want to do? 
What do you want to talk about? She goes, let's talk about my questions I have about the Bible. I'm like, mm -hmm. okay. So, but there's a part of my heart that was like, ooh, maybe people think she's, you know, quest the questions could be she's lost. And, and I felt myself wanting to protect her. I'm like, you know what? No, these are valid questions that if she's asking I'm sh and she's raised in a home, there's probably a lot more asking it. So we have to be really just relax older generation. <laughs> like, you know, like we're just uptight and we're trying again, I think it goes back to, we want everyone to be all right and walk that fine line. But if we could just relax and let them be, we learned so much. I learned so much when she just opens up and just talks. There's so. Yeah. Because sometimes, like you said, we think we're speaking the same language because we're using the similar words and we're not in the same home. Yep. Yeah. So I even talk about the idea of truth and going, you have to understand that every generation is a different relationship with that word. And when older generations talk about this is truth, we hear like, isn't that good? Can't you can rest in that? You can you can yeah. build your life around this because this is true. That's good. It's an anchor point. This next generation has a totally different relationship with truth. So when they hear that that this is true, what they're hearing because of their context and their culture is this can be used to oppress people, to exclude people, Ooh. to judge people. And so they're taught. We can't do any of those things. That's, that truth must be bad. I can't say anything is true. Yeah. Because if I do, then I can be excluding um, and judging and oppressing somebody else by claiming that. And so we have to understand that even that word by itself creates a tension and a disconnect between our older generations and younger generations in the church. So what do we do to disciple our, our believing kids who also feel that I feel that to some extent, but they must really feel it that that exclusivity or canceling other people if they don't have that truth. What, how do we disciple that? I think it's a long, slow work. And I've been working with this with my own high school group over the last year. And it's still it's still like it's, you know, only inch deep. It takes a long time for things to work their way through. One of the bigger things we talk about is that truth is not the problem. Truth detached from love is the problem. Wow. Truth without love is just mean. It's just mean. Um, yeah, oppressive. Yeah. <laughs> so and and you it's it's intertwined with so many things that's going on because they're not watching a world that knows how to disagree with one another and then treat each other with love and respect at the same time. Mm. So we're fighting against a lot of their environment of what they're learning from the adults that are in that they're watching in media mostly, right? But an experiencing him going, this seems like a bad deal. I don't want, how, how can you disagree with someone and still love and respect them, right? You've heard it said, love your neighbor yeah. and hate your enemy. Yeah. And that's the world that they're very much existing in right now. And we also have to remember, like pull out again, perspective in Zoom. We're planting seeds in a generation as well mm -hmm. for them that they might not, get it right now like you might not get this amazing young apostle you know paul-like person that's like god and i got truth and love and really running hard after it because it is tense it is they they need go gathering and belonging to to continue to thrive but when they get older and they'll have children and they'll walk through life and it gets difficult and still challenging some of these key things that we present with a truth in love yeah could flourish later on Sometimes it's, yeah. it's got to be like, right now, I need to see the fruit of this work in this generation right now. Yeah. And I've, I've been toying with this thought. I might deep dive, do some study into it at some point, but just going, 
you know, so Paul's in Athens, we know that they're, we have this little piece of it, this, of this, you know, pre-Christian culture, essentially. But if you fast forward in church history, it certainly seems like Greece has a big influence on what's happening in the church and what's going on, the thought and the theology coming out of there. It feels like that. And I'm like, I feel like I want to check that out because, you know, what seemed like such a small movement and only a handful of people gave their lives to the Lord in that moment. It seems like down the line, there were some bigger things that happened in that space. That's good. That's a good reminder. Zoom out, everyone. This is God's work on the earth. All right. So I feel like everyone here who's listening needs to walk away with an action item of there is one Gen Z in your life. Even just as, you know, some people go like, I don't have time. That's right. We're always, I don't have time. What if it's just, you're just going, you're not saying you're going to marry this person and be their mentor for the rest of your life or, you know, be their spiritual mother or father. Like just where's, have a sit down. I want, I want to, I'd love to know your lived experience in this time. Like, I just want to know more about what it's like to be 23 years old or whatever age you are in the world. Like that would be fascinating and fun. I would think for a person of a Gen Z to be like, okay, I'll go do that. Get a cup of coffee and let you just sit with me. I think that would be amazing. Yeah. Even more simply, just if we started using positive terminology to talk about Gen Zers, wherever we are, and I break the social barrier all the time um, because, you know, I'm a young life leader and we, we break the social barrier all the time to, to reach across the desk uh, and say, hey, by the way, just so you know, I really think your generation is incredible. Mm-hmm. And what's been amazing is when I've done that at like a Chick-fil-A and physical therapy, my exercise guy, he's, mm-hmm. a, he's a Gen Zer. Once that door opens, they're like, tell me more. Tell me more. I want to hear more from you. So good. What's the one thing in our closing, what's one of the most profound pieces of of advice you have for parents who are raising in Gen Z? I feel like you gave us a ton, but (laughs) what what do you you want us to hang on? Oh my goodness. I'm going to, I know yes for one. I'm going to slip three in though. One is this, if you feel like you're speaking a different language, it's because you are, you absolutely are. There is a language breakdown between the younger generation who's very much more comfortable in a digital space and their parents who are way more comfortable face-to-face. So anytime we're interacting, we are asking someone in that partnership to speak a second language to the other person. Mm-hmm. So that just helps us slow down and think. There's something called the You and Me, Between, Between You and Me Journal, you can find it on Amazon, that has found, some parents have found success with because it's a, it's a medium of a communication mm-hmm. that allows both people to engage uh, instead of me having to go into the digital space and asking you to come in person. So mm. there is a breakdown. That's okay. Like that's normal. That's and it's uncomfortable, but it's absolutely real. Mm. So that's one. Second is there's one key question. This comes from Dr. Kara Powell out of the Fuller Youth Institute that you can ask your Gen Z and she says, ask them every day on a scale of one to 10. How's your mental health? Mm. And they hear that as a holistic question. They will share about their body, their emotions, mm. their day, like, because all that's interconnected for them instead right. of just me going, oh, my, my head. So Thank it's similar you. when I say, Hey, how, Alisa, how's your heart? That's good. I'm not asking about your heart. Right. 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 I'm asking right. about everything. Yeah. So that's a simple question. It speaks their language on it. And the last okay. thing I would say is, man, I have been convicted of this recently, but I was reading something that said. Look at, the, look at the global connectedness and the influence of this generation. We're fools to think the enemy wouldn't take it, want to take him down in every chance he can get with their sense of identity, their sense of truth, their mental health. Our biggest asset is getting on our knees and praying for them, wow. praying specifically for them. Yeah. 
Oh, Danita, so good. Okay, well, you're going to be back on because we're going to have a lot of other questions. I mean, we just scraped the surface and we have a community of people who have Gen Zers. A lot of them are, are in it right now. And I know this did something. So we're grateful for you. We want to know how people can get more resources from you. What can they do to learn more, get more of what you are learning? Yeah, I have a website, tanitamaddox.com. It's just my name. And people can reach out to me there. There's uh, links for other resources and podcasts and videos and stuff, um, content that I put out as well as sign up for a newsletter in there. You can message me through there and more than happy to share other resources. There's great people doing work in this space. I mentioned Dr. Kara Powell, uh, Dr. Sean McDowell. They're very, very helpful in understanding what's going on. Okay, you guys, we'll put that in the show notes so you can swipe up and get right to her website. And I just want to thank your friend who was in Wickenburg, who invited you to go and was like, please just come help me out. Just come help me out. Did not knowing that that would change the entire trajectory of your life, which then you met your husband. And then I knew Renee, Renee knew your husband. He knows Revelation Wellness. And here we are. Isn't God cool? I'm so grateful for your ministry. I think it's more important now than ever. Oh, we're grateful. Yeah, thank you. Well, let's keep going. Keep doing what we're doing. Thanks for being here, Tanita. Thanks for having me. Friends, we hope this episode blessed you. And if you love it as much as we did, would you share it with a friend? And be sure to swipe up on the show notes. You will find all the links mentioned in the episode. Let's keep the conversation going. You can leave us an audio message and tell us how this episode sparked something in your heart. We would love to hear from you and hear what you think. Thank you for being here and be sure to connect with us soon in all the places. Peace.